2 Corinthians 5, 17 is very clear on, on, on something that the Lord is looking for out of us. And I'm just going to read it, and we're going to settle it on again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, has come, the old is gone. The news here. The old has gone, the news come. Now, we've talked about this, and really, what is it again? What is the new? Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. I need everybody to just focus on me just for a second. What is the new? I'm going to define it like this. The new is looking like Jesus. That's the new. Looking like Jesus. You know what the old is? Not looking like Jesus. Everybody say self. Self. Now hear it one more time. Self. Man, that's the opposite of love. That's the opposite of faith. That's the opposite of all that God wants to do in us and through us. So the definition of new is looking like Jesus. And what's that look like? Well, oh my goodness. Let's just throw out a few words. Love, joy, mercy, compassion, truth, death to self, the flesh. See, in Christ, we're being changed from death to life. Make sure you pick that up. In Christ, we're being changed, transformed from death to life. Now, our mission statement here at the church, and we're going to continue to reiterate it over and over and over again, transform lives being used to transform the world. It starts with our own lives being transformed in order to be used as a vessel of transformation. Amen? But this is something that I really began to dwell on this week. So oftentimes, um, we can bring focus to a particular area of our walk and, and, and kind of put other areas of that in the, on the back burner. And I just felt like I wanted to bring a, a point of reminding today. We have continued to focus in on the fact that God desires to use every one of you. How many of you are ministers of the gospel? Okay, every hand should be up if you're in Christ Jesus. How many ministers of the gospel do we have? I figured you'd know me by now when I asked that question, right? How many ministers of the gospel? All of us. In Christ, here we are. Here we are. And how many know, how many know that the Lord is just as much wanting to get heaven into you as he's wanting to get you into heaven. How, how many know that? I'm going to say it one more time. How many know that God wants to get heaven into you as much as he wants to get you into heaven? How many know that? Okay. Who's with me right now? This is a weird day. This is a weird day. You're going to have to uh, tap on them just for a moment. One of the things that I've realized we often forget is the ultimate reason the basic reason, the first reason Jesus did what he did. The gospel truth, the, the reason for presenting the gospel, the reason for transformation. And yes, it's to get heaven into us, but it's this as well. And don't miss this. And this is where we're going to go today. And this might feel a little different than many of my messages, but I feel like we have to go. The Lord is as much interested in keeping you out of hell and getting hell out of you. Because guess what? He can't get heaven into you until he gets hell out of you. 
Amen? I think pulpits that stop talking about hell are pretty powerless. I don't think we have to talk about hell every week, every month, but I do think as believers, we need to be reminded of what we've been saved from. Amen? I'm going to ask you to turn with me today to Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. I love you guys. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you for bringing my pulpit over here today. Let's read 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Oh, God's wrath. That's not talked about much in America, is it? We have focused on a very, very, very vital, the most important thing, God's love. But believe it or not, just the flip side of the coin is God's wrath. And we can't forget that aspect of it. But because of his great love, hallelujah, the good part is love trumps wrath. (laughs) Hello, love trumps wrath. Amen? Yes, it does. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Does that apply to anybody here? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been what, church? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Back to verse 1 very quickly. As for you, who? You're dead in your transgressions and sins. I'm just going to remind you very quickly of Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 6. All have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. You just can't get around it. All have sinned, And the wages of sin is death. Now you ask right now, what is sin really? What is sin? What does it boil down to that sin is? Well, I'm just going to give you as clear a definition as I possibly can based on what we've been talking about over the last two months. Anything birthed out of self and not love is sin. Maybe I better say it again because you guys are like, I see the flies, okay? Let's try it again. Anything birthed out of self, anything based on what you think above who, anything you based on your actions in spite of, anything based on what you say is right, even though the word God Almighty says it's not. Anything birthed out of self and not Love. Whose love? His love is sin. 
That's why self is so dangerous. In fact, you, you want to know something? This is why good people go to hell. I'm going to say that again, because a lot of people struggle with that. Why, why, do good, why would good, good people go to hell? Listen to me. There are a lot of good things you can do out of self, but are they God things? You can live a good life that really made everybody else feel good and maybe even help people feel good. But I'm going to tell you what. If it's out of self and not out of love, what did it matter? What a message to preach today, huh? On a rainy day. Verse 2 says, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now work in those who are disobedient. I, I, I want everyone to just catch something here real quick. We are bombarded daily. I'm telling you what, this generation, this younger generation, oh, guys, I thought, I thought we were being bombarded. Our younger generation has completely lost an understanding of who and what it is that God has done. You want to know why? Because daily we are bombarded with the subtle lies that keep our focus off of Him. And on who? Oh, come on. Everything that's put on the, in, in media, everything so oftentimes is about focusing in on who? And on, not on the truth of who God is and his love. We think we know better, folks. How many have teenagers in your home who think they know better? <laughs> they think they know better. I want you to imagine a house where the Father God has eight billion Teenagers who think they know better. Suppose God, just for a moment, I'm going to ask everybody just look up here real quick because I want you to let, digest what I'm about to say. Suppose that God is actually far more holier and good than you've ever realized. And suppose that the sins of your past, or if you are not in Christ, your sins now, deserve that much more punishment than you ever realized. Just imagine that with me. Maybe we've been a little too, uh, a little too soft about it. Maybe we have. We can only excuse our sin, and, and listen, this might apply to you. We can only excuse our sin by accusing God or the Bible of being something other than what it stated. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Dave? Well, how many people know you try to get around sin by making the Bible say something it doesn't? Or by discrediting the Bible? How many know that you try to get around sin by blaming who or saying he does not exist are, are, are you following me just for a moment those are our only attempts at excusing sin because if we go on what the word of God says without Jesus we really are in trouble we're in trouble <laughs> uh, the voice 
translation. I don't use it often, but I like what it said here in Matthew 7. There are two paths before you. You may take only one path. One doorway is very narrow. One doorway is very wide. Go through the narrow door. For the wide door leads to a wide path. And the wide path is broad. The wide, broad path is easy. And the wide, broad, easy path has many, many people on it. But the wide, broad, easy, crowded path leads to death. Now then, that narrow door leads to a narrow road that in turn leads to life. It's hard to find that road. Not many people manage it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Folks, verse 3 it says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of God's wrath for our sin. I hope all ears hear what I'm about to say. Not because I'm in any way trying to say you don't know Christ. That would not be my purpose whatsoever. My purpose is to remind us of what the very first thing God did for us out of his love. Folks, outside of Jesus, we are filled with hell. We deserve hell, and we are headed for hell. God's holiness and goodness and our sin cannot mix. It can't mix. The two cannot exist together. Ezekiel 18 says this, the soul that sins will die. Hmm. There's this new thing going on around right now. I've heard some pastors that have fallen into it that hell doesn't exist. It's just symbolic. There are those that uh, jump over hell. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like preaching about hell all the time because I want, I want to declare what God has done but guess what? Hell is included in that list of what God has done. Even any theologian who wants to take a hold of this Bible and try to figure out that hell doesn't exist or that everybody, Jesus paid the price for everybody, which he did, but we still have to receive and believe, you cannot get away from what this word says. In fact, let, let's, get a little, let's get a little clearer here. Jesus, anybody ever heard of him? Yes. Do you know that Jesus talked about hell three times more than he talked about heaven? Why would he do that? Why would Jesus talk about hell more than heaven? And other people say, well, you know, Paul was just a man and this, any other. Okay, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, uh, Jesus I like. It's the rest of the church I don't. Okay, well, let's just take Jesus' word for it. I'm just going to use the words of Jesus. Hell was not originally meant for us. But then something happened. 
And there was nowhere else for us to be sent. But I'm going to tell you what, suffering and sickness wasn't meant to happen either originally. <laughs> right? None of it was. Just so you know, that's Matthew 25. Matthew 18 says this. Zechariah says, I am here, man. Matthew 18 says this. Hell is eternal punishment. Hell is eternal punishment. Now, for those of you who don't mind the punishment part, and you can look past that, let me just remind you, eternal. It doesn't end. Eternal punishment. That's Matthew 18, out of the mouth of who? You know, we can try to dispute everybody else. This is Jesus. And for those who say, well, maybe the writers wrote it down, hey, you know, they got manuscripts just uh, uh, several decades after Jesus ascended into heaven. So you know what? What, are you going to dispute somebody who's, who wrote this down 2,000 years ago? Hell is eternal fire. Oh, this isn't a cartoon. This isn't just, oh, this is what the Christians have believed for centuries, but we have new understanding now Hogwash, guys. What makes us think in America we've got a better, uh, we have suddenly we have better understanding than they, the, the, the believers of yesteryear? I believe the Lord reveals himself to each generation, but it never contradicts what has been revealed in the previous generation if it's really of him. Don't be deceived. Matthew 22, Jesus says, hell is eternal darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Isn't it interesting, Jesus never lets up on that word eternal, does he? Do you think he's trying to emphasize something? <laughs> in Luke 16, 23, Jesus sharing in a, in a parable, he emphasized that it is eternal torment. Now, I could have gone down a huge list, but I'm just sharing you with you just a few of the things that Jesus said about hell. And I will say this, like I've said to many before, including myself, about many things when it comes to the things of the Lord. We can say to the cows, come home. We can even preach from our pulpits, don't worry. Hell isn't real. It's symbolic. We can preach that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it makes it so. Here's the thing, we don't like looking at what believers almost ended up in. And we are afraid to hurt and offend when in actuality, Jesus preached on this three times more than he did heaven. He wasn't trying to hurt or offend, he was trying to do what? Because he loved us. In fact, Ezekiel 18.23 says this, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Did you hear that? God's not sitting around going, ha ha, another one bit the dust. Didn't serve me. What kind of God do we think we serve? It's like he's an abusive husband or something. 
Either respect me and listen to me, or I'm going to make your life hell. Yeah, that's our problem for thinking God's like that. That's not what the Word says. We entered into this world with sin. Verses 4 through 9. Just kind of touch in. Because of his great what? Love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. What's that mean? He made the way possible even while Dave Thompson hated his guts. And for those of us that think we had better things to do than deal with God or allow God into our lives or allow us to surrender, he still did it for you. I remember sharing a while back, you know what, if I got a $100 bill in my pocket and it's sitting right there and your name is on the, the, it says it's yours and I have it like this. Is it yours? Not until you what? There it is. It says your name. Oh, I'll get to it a little later. I want to have fun first. Because of God's love, man, I love in, in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Oh, remember we, we, we dealt with that a couple weeks ago. If we're struggling with patience and kindness, we're the ones with the love issue. <laughs> but who was, who's our, who, our epitome of love? God Almighty, amen? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, amen? He is that, and I love, I love, I want you to think about God after the fall. I want you to think about him after the fall of man, realizing mankind deserves only one thing. And what is that? Hell and death and hell and death and hell and death for eternity. He's realizing this, and yet he created us. And here's the crazy part. We've got a God that says, I'm patient. I'm kind. <laughs> I don't envy. I don't boast. I'm not proud. I'm, I don't dishonor others. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not easily angered. Oh, I love that part. Tracy and I were just talking the other day. I really am struggling with the fact, but I really do believe it's true. God's not really angry at us. All his anger was spent on who? Jesus on the cross. Well, what about his wrath? Well, it's your choice ultimately to not receive his salvation. But he has already warned us what happens if we don't receive the salvation, the way he's made for us. He's already made that clear. Amen? Has he made that clear to you? I find it interesting more and more liberal theologies are, made, are so hard to understand. They're so complex. The reality is God loves us. We were headed for hell. He rescued us. <laughs> Who rescued us? Jesus. And it goes on to say, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. In verse 7, I love this one, guys. Love always protects. You better believe that my God chose to protect me from hell. That's what he chose to do. And so he said, Jesus, <laughs> you're going to bear the brunt. Dave Chaffin. He protected me. Now, I still had to be willing to reach out my what? 
really in my death, he had to just come down and I had just, I was a mess. All of us were. But because of his love, his love fights for us. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, God's love has fought for you. Please tell somebody that. They need to hear that right now. God's love has fought for you. He made a way to satisfy the punishment that was coming our way. Listen to me. Don't, I want this to be as clear as possible. It's not your parents. Your parents will not be standing next to you when you stand before the, the throne of, uh, in heaven. They won't be. Pastor Dave will not be. Your grandparents will not be. Your co-workers, the person that led you to Jesus, will not be there. It's not how much you know. It's not praying a prayer. It's not believing in your mind that he is who he is, but you're not really allowing it to be lived out of yourself. It's not jumping through the right hoops, checking off every box that somehow we're okay. Wow. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, there are believers that are, are people sitting in the church that are deceived because they prayed a prayer, but they're still living a life. And I'm sorry, and I really believe this more and more. I've heard this more and more, and I, I believe this is what the word says. Salvation, what does salvation look like? A transformed life. And what does a transformed life look like? One that's starting to look like who? It does say when he returns, he's coming back, and we will what? Look like him. And see, this isn't critical. This is concern for the church abroad. It's not about how many picket lines you can stand in. It's not about how much social justice activities and events, which are fine, but that you get involved in. That is not what's going to get you to heaven. Being here every Sunday is not going to get you to heaven. And I think America has partly bought into that now because... Attendance is on its way down. But none of these things will. You surrendering. Let, let, let me just explain this through scripture, okay? Luke 10 says this. Jesus had just sent off 70 plus disciples, two by two, to go preach the gospel. In Luke 10, 20, they all come back and they start saying, guess what? These people got healed and we cast out these demons and this and people got saved. It was awesome. And I'm sure they were pumped, but they were really pumped because the demons would shriek, you know, ah, when, it, when and in Jesus name, you come out, they would flip out and they'd go. I've seen it. They do. They don't like Jesus. You know what's fun? I, I'm just going to say this. The demonic, and when I say fun, I don't mean this to demean. I never suggest anybody tackling the demonic outside of being prepared in the things of the Lord. We saw what happened in the scriptures with that too. They are absolutely terrified of Jesus. Right. Terrified of Jesus. My first experience with Pastor Jim... Dad was kind of this seasoned soldier in spiritual warfare. And this person's got, you know, the, the, the demon was deceiving and feigning that they were asleep. And so dad just put his hand on there and he's just praying. 
Jesus, we just thank you. And we give you praise for what you're doing. Well, this person's face just turned. I thought, man, I'm learning from a good one here. He didn't miss a beat. Oh, well, you foul spirit, you've been in there the whole time. In Jesus' name, you get going. In Jesus' name, you have to go. Oh, it was the craziest thing. The peace of God filled the place. In 10 minutes, that woman was delivered. And it's just screaming. Ah! I mean, cussing, F, F, your Jesus. But scared to death, gone. See, that's the thing. We don't know as a church what we've been granted. So I need to lay that there. But now I want you to hear something. That's not even the pinnacle of anything. This is what Jesus says. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, that's the pinnacle. That's where it starts. Does everybody understand that? That's where it starts. All that God wants to do in the now starts when your name is written there. See, we get focused on, okay, just got to get my name written there. No, uh get your name written there so that you can be what he's created you to be here. Are you following me? Some of you are. Some of you are just like, what? Well, God has called us as ministers of the gospel. We cannot be ministers of the gospel until we, our, 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 our eternity is set. Well, no doubt, but there are people that are living like that. You say, what are you talking about? Jesus said in Matthew 7, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, God, we cast out demons in your name, and we did this and we did that. I don't care. Your life, your heart, who you were, was never submitted and surrendered to my transforming power. See, it's those that surrender to and live. Everybody say live. It's those that surrender to and live believing that he is who he says he is, that he has done what he says he has done, and that, here's important too, we are who he says we are. You begin surrendering to that, submitting to that, and allowing that to change you, what's going to happen? Transformation, baby then your eternity begins to be set. And you are anchored in the truth of heaven. And your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And it goes on to say in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Where? In heaven or here? Where? which God prepared in, in advance for us to do. See, the Lord has got to get us connected to our eternity so that he can do amazing things here through us, so that his love can be poured out over one another, so we can splash Jesus all over the place. But see, we struggle with that. And many, 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 many really, truly have been focused on, I just got to get out of hell, I just got to get out of hell, but they never got hell out of them. Who's hearing that right now? When Jesus gets you into heaven, you have already had heaven gotten into you. 
in the process. Charles Spurgeon said, therefore, <laughs> this changes our whole perspective on how important it is to not just say, dear Jesus, I hope I go to heaven. Forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that's great for the person that prayed it, but I'll tell you what, there better be some brothers and sisters walking with that person saying, okay, now, start, what is it that the Lord has declared about himself? What is it that he's done for you? What does he say over you? Are you willing to surrender to that? Are you willing to submit to that and allow it to transform you? Or 70 years from now when Jesus calls you home and you stand there and nothing ever really changed in your life and you say, but I said a prayer back when I was 15 years old. Away from me for I never knew you. But guess what? Well done. Thy good and faithful what? Why is that? Because you were anchored there so that you can begin blossoming here. And not for, but for everyone else. Amen? So Charles Spurgeon said this, and I love it. This is old, flowery, flowery 1800s language, but go with it. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our, our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. What is the greatest thing that we could do is show God's love so much to an individual that regardless of what we see, we continue to walk by faith that one day, if not now, one day, they will be anchored in the heavenlies and be then transformed here on earth to be used as they've been created to be. Heavy stuff today, huh? But how many know it's truth? How many know it's truth? How many know that hell's not made up? <laughs> hell's real. One day I'm going to record a special message of all the little inserts that Pastor Jim makes. Just a little book, book by Jim Chappell. Comments made during the sermon. They're going to be wise, I'm telling you. They're there. They're there. Guys, we have been called for such a time as this. Who believes that? We have been called. So the thing we need to just know and be reminded of is we can't go any further until we know we are anchored in the heavens. And you say, well, you mean i got to spend all my time worried about that? No. You simply begin believing and receiving who God says he is, mm -hmm. what he says he's done, and what he says about you. Yes, sir. 
you begin agreeing with that and stop listening to the lies of the enemy, what's going to start happening to your life? Transformation. Transformation. And I've heard people say, well, we don't really know who's going to be in heaven and who's not going to be in heaven. Yeah, God judges that. But I do think, I do think, I do think that it's when you see someone who is resembling Jesus in attitude, in love, I think that really is a good, uh, there's a good chance this person's anchored in heaven. Now, you know I've been preaching, hey, about looking like Jesus. You know I've been preaching about the new has come, the old hasn't just gone. It's got to be electrocuted, stomped on, crucified. It's got to be done. And we cannot resuscitate this thing. We cannot resuscitate the old life. I was trying to think of somebody I knew that had some kind of a hazmat suit or something. Because I thought, you know, isn't it interesting... I remember in years past, in nuclear meltdowns, the only safe way to go into where the core is is to wear this super thick protective suit to deal with what's got to be dealt with, right? Okay? Now, if you were to walk into where this nu the, the nuclear core was and it's had a meltdown and radiation's going everywhere and you get radiation poisoning and you're on your deathbed, are you, are you going to blame anybody? Would you blame anybody for walking in there on your own accord? Even though people said, don't do it. But you walked in there anyways. Would you have anybody to blame but yourself? When they said, you need to have a hazmat suit on. You need to be dressed from the top to the bottom. You need to be fully protected. Or else that's going to kill you. Well, I just described sin. And death. We cannot blame God. Because your hazmat suit is known as Jesus Christ. Right? And we're even implored in the word to put on who? Put on Christ. Why? Because if we don't, it's death. And we've got no one to blame. Catch that? Yeah. Guys, we need Jesus. Amen? Amen? We need Jesus. Amen? Amen? And we need him, and guess what? He's right here. Yes. Now, ignoring it and pretending that you're bored by it and acting as though this isn't relative to me, that doesn't make it go away. No. You will stand before the Lord one day. You say, well, how do you know? My daughter asked me the other day, how do, you, how do we know that this, is the right, that, that, that this is the right faith, the right religion, the right one? Everybody, well, I said, well, here's the thing. I only am aware of one faith in the entire world where God was willing to sacrifice himself for us. Every other religion tells us what we better do in order to get right. Whereas God says, I already did it. Receive it, believe it. And I'm going to tell you what, if we were able to leave the confines of this crazy, crazy culture we live in at times, 
Christians are exploding left and right throughout the world. In countries that you can't imagine, the church has survived and is now beginning to thrive in North Korea. You say, how have they done that? I mean, didn't they outlaw? Yeah. Has that ever stopped Jesus? Didn't they outlaw Christianity? Didn't they outlaw religion? Yeah. Well, has that ever stopped Jesus from doing anything? Read through the Gospels. Did anything deter Jesus from getting the point across? Did anything deter Jesus from loving somebody? No. In fact, he was the most radical guy I have ever seen. The most loving, radical guy I've ever seen and heard of. And he did all that for who? Us. Holy cow. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you right now because you are the great I am. You did step down from heaven, give your life willingly for me, rose again, defeated hell and death, gave us back authority, said, now, just receive it and believe it, and let me change you. Oh, God, I thank you that you look at me now and you can say, you are my son who I've created. Even while you were a sinner that totally hated me, I gave my life for you. Oh. He said he made it so simple, even a fool could get away. Can I ask you a question? What religion is hated more in the world than any other? Did you ever wonder why? Did you ever wonder why nobody else really has as much a problem when it comes to these things? Because who's really the target by the enemy? Yes. It's not that hard to see. Christians are the number one most persecuted people in the world. The enemy's mad, but I am glad. To God be the glory. With all, with all heads bowed here today. Is there anybody, I, I'd be amiss, amiss not to do this, if there's anybody here today that says, hey, um, I truly, at this moment, want to surrender and submit to what God has said, what God has done, and what he says about me. I want to receive and believe all that he is, and I want that to fill my life. If there's anybody here today that says, that's what I want, just slip your hand up real quick. Amen, 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 amen. All right. Jesus. Now, we're not just going to say a prayer and that's it. But we're starting right here. Jesus, I don't want to play around anymore. I want you. And the crazy part is, I want you, and yet somehow all along, you've wanted me. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I surrender myself to you in Jesus' name. I surrender to who you say you are. I surrender to what it is that you've done, and I surrender to the, all that you say about me, even things I don't even know. I'm going to find out. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, you're so good. And we lay our lives before you. The old is gone. The new is coming. It has come. Here it is now. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, for the rest of us, as we say, Lord, we have been lost in sin, but you came that we might have life. The rest of us here, 
May we not allow another person to go to hell without them having to jump over our dead bodies or us holding on or us doing whatever it takes. May we not allow another person to go unprayed for in Jesus' name. God, thank you for changing us that we then may blossom here now. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, let's just stand and finish up with what they're playing here. Oh yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes.